back to the Tucker Reports Podcast. Welcome to the first fantasy football episode, sort of. Uh, so I thought about this, and I went through, I was trying to pick players, value players, some, some ways for us all to make some money. And I just, I didn't feel good about the first week um, in terms of trying to, like, predict value because we can all sit here and pick the stars right we know who's going to put up points at a basic level as far as the core the core superstars and the core players but i wanted to try to find a few guys that um i think would stick out just from a value perspective uh to give you a little edge going into the week and um i just didn't feel right doing it because there's so much uncertainty we talked about it uh, in the first couple of episodes there's just so much uncertainty in the first week really in the first couple of weeks but so much in the first week um everything could be flipped upside down if you overreact to what you see in week one and going into it there are so many rookies and first and second year guys third year guys um that are uh, are not superstars that are going to contribute this week in fantasy and it's just so hard to predict uh, so on that regard we're going to wait another few days into week two with that level of detail when it comes to daily fantasy mostly <clears throat> but today we are going to talk about just in general a few uh, fantasy football tips things to keep in mind some of you guys are going to be having your last drafts I know we're having our draft tonight um, and so we're, we're going to go over a few things uh, there are many many fantasy football leagues that have you know, you know set their teams and rosters some a lot of them are going to be finalized today I would assume maybe a few are even going to be decided tomorrow before the official kickoff. Um, and, you know, fantasy football has brought in, brought in many fans to the game, right? People who have been fans of football forever and fantasy football was just an addition, uh, just the cherry on top. There are a lot of people that are fantasy football fans who weren't football fans to begin with, but like the idea of, of sort of being involved at some level. Um, so... I, being one of those people, wanted to provide some advice to you guys. It's, really, this is for the newbies. So if you're a long-time experienced fantasy football player, sure, some of this stuff will, will pertain to you as well. But this is mostly for the newbies, some things to keep in mind. I'm not here to proclaim myself some fantasy football genius or anything like that. But um, I feel good about what I've done in terms of competing in leagues, daily fantasy, and all that stuff. And I feel confident enough in what I've done to provide some of that advice to you. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll go through, like I said, today is going to be very, uh, high level stuff, mostly for the newbies, a few sort of intricate details. Uh, we'll let one week go into the book so we can at least see who's out there before we start providing some options to you in terms of picks and plays. And we'll get into some of the stuff. We will talk about Thursday night showdown and all that. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. All right, so the first thing that you need to keep in mind for fantasy football, and this goes for any type of league that you're playing in. You could be talking about your standard snake draft, daily fantasy, um, best ball, and any variation of it whatsoever. The first thing you can't do is let your fandom, if you are indeed a fan of a team, take over your decision-making when it comes to fantasy. It has to be totally separate. There are situations where you're going to have to root for a really good running back or wide receiver to obliterate your favorite team in order for you to win your fantasy football league. And sometimes that may mean your team loses the game ultimately. Um, and so it's an emotional thing. And if you can't 
live with listen we're not talking about life or death stuff here but in term in you know in the field that we're discussing it you can't let that get the best of you um you have to be able to make those decisions um as a titans fan i love the titans i've loved them ever since their inception um but trust me last year i picked plenty of quarterbacks and whoever else players running backs receivers tight ends the whole nine yards anybody going against their defense because their defense was terrible um and so that's something that bothers you uh this isn't a game you should be playing right this is something that is deeper than just being a fan and drafting guys from your favorite team you can get away with that at a level right if you're just competing with some buddies maybe um that's something you could do maybe it's like an office pool and no one really knows what they're doing um but you can't depend on that that's not a good way to go whether that be just you and your buddies or if you're getting into obvious real uh competitive situations um and the thing is if those guys underperform you can't hang on to them because he's on your favorite team right your favorite quarterback or your favorite receiver um is not doing so well and it's not you know providing your, your team with enough scoring you got to be willing to put them on the bench or cut them or trade them or whatever the case may be and you'd be surprised at how many people get tied to certain players when it comes to fantasy football because they're on their favorite team uh it's just not the way to go uh you're not going to win games performing that way drafting that way signing free agents or waiver pickups it's just not going to work and you shouldn't be picking up players against um certain defenses uh because you think the cowboys suck or the patriots suck and you know you're just a Steelers fan you shouldn't be picking players because you just generally think well the team sucks I mean maybe that's the case and maybe you're right but in some situations it's it's because you hate that team as a fan it's because they're a rival team maybe they've beaten you a few years in a row to go to the playoffs or whatever the case uh, you can't let that type of stuff get into your feelings um, so I would say just above all keep that in mind a little short thing I would say aside from the emotional tide, the biggest thing that you need to do is know your league. The most important thing you can do for yourself is to understand your league in terms of rules. Uh, there's a few layers to understanding your league, as you will find out with me. Everything really has layers. Um, but for this one, you need to understand your league's rules down to, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, uh, the waiver wire times that things go official how trades work do you have a system where people vote for trades does it need to be unanimous is it a majority vote um, all those things are important um, the different times at which things occur um, what the scoring system is for different players that obviously changes the value a basic example is obviously the PPR versus non PPR leagues if you have a non PPR league uh, your running backs, certain running backs are going to just hold more value than others. Eric Henry, for example, versus Christian McCaffrey in a non-PPR versus PPR league. That's just, they're, they're two different players. Um, and even within those, there are some leagues that do some funky scoring system. I know some leagues where, you know, pick sixes are counted differently in terms of defensive scoring and things like that. So all of those things take into account. I can't speak to each and every league because depending on the commissioner, uh, you may have different rules and different bonuses. Maybe 300 yards is a bonus, maybe 400 or 500 yards is a bonus, first downs, uh, you know, whatever. So you need to be intimate with all those details 
because as we get into things a little bit later on, you'll def you'll find that maybe certain guys aren't great. Uh, you know, uh, maybe they aren't on the field for first and second down, but their third down rate is 94% or something like that. And if you're talking about a committee backfield, maybe that weighs into your decision. You know, so there's so many different things you can look at there. Um, they typically won't impact how you look at stars, right? Um, you know, if you go into the draft, you probably don't have to do too much, um, you know, weighing of options if it's down to, say, uh, you know, you're picking a quarterback and you have a choice between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you can make the case that Mahomes does it both on the ground, um, maybe not to the level that Lamar does, but he does it in the air much more effectively and vice versa. Lamar is much more effective on the ground than Mahomes is, um, but less effective through the air. At the end of the day, uh, if you draft a guy, one or the other, you're not going to be upset that you didn't get the other guy maybe at the end of the season, but you, you get what I'm saying throughout the course of the season. Um, that may not be the case. Whereas when you're talking about um, the third or fourth receiver, maybe you're in round eight, nine, ten, you need another running back or tight end or whatever, and you're trying to decide between two guys who mostly are the same, These this level of detail can maybe help break that tie. So just keep that in mind. Um, you also need to know the competition. Uh, who are you up against? Um, you know, if you're in some office pool, maybe everyone doesn't even watch football, uh, that could be an advantage for you. It, bad fantasy players exist but can be hidden, especially depending on how the league is structured. Um, if you're talking about like a traditional snake draft with mostly traditional rules, um, there can be bad players hidden by a variance of luck. Um just because of the way things shake out. You can take advantage of a bad player. You can also become victim to a bad player. Um, and you need to be able to spot them perhaps as the draft is happening. Um, you know, you might want to understand uh, who might blow something up. They could create a position run that happens and you could be in the middle of it because they sort of did something that was out of the norm and didn't really understand. Um, so that could force you to take a player. You may not need to if you're not in tune with what you need to do. So just things to pay attention to. Uh, and then conversely, you know, you want to make, you want to pay attention to those that do make solid decisions, uh, that do make moves consistently that produce for them, whether it be in wins or points or what have you. And be prepared to react or potentially block them, depending on what they're looking for, or maybe handcuff them in some way. If they draft a running back you think might be shaky um, or a receiver or a quarterback. Uh, so those are some of the things you need to do in regards to paying attention to how your league runs and operates. Uh, let's get into a little bit more detail in regards to what you need to do. Now that you have taken the time to get to know what's going on in your league, who's in your league, all the rules, the next and most important thing you can do is study. I've heard a lot of people sort of luck into winning fantasy leagues. You know, they have auto draft on and, you know, they barely pay attention to the lineups and bye weeks and all that. And somehow ending up losing just one game in the year and ending up in the championship or something like that. It happens. There is a, a, uh, an amount of luck involved in fantasy football. But by and large, uh, you have to be in tune with what's happening, especially if in any remotely type of competitive league. Um, 
if it's just a bunch of guys who watch football on Sunday, you're still going to need to be in tune with what's happening. Um, if you're just going with, you know, what you know, uh, I got news for you. You don't know much, unfortunately. Most of us don't know much. Um, there's there's coaches and writers and reporters and, and on-air personalities and, and, and all that type of stuff. Uh, and they don't know everything that's going on. So it's impossible for you to know. You're certainly not in the locker rooms. You don't know injuries, secret um, hidden injuries. Um, you don't know playbooks and play schemes uh, for the most part. Um, you know, maybe some some college people can can look at things and at least take a deeper level. But by and large, you don't really know the intricacies of what's happening in the locker room. And so um, there are little things that you need to pick up on from other places. Um, uh, again, like I said, there are journalists and reporters that that don't know everything. Uh, and quite frankly, you could devote four or five hours a day to what I'm saying as far as doing research in that regard and still get boat race in your league um, just because there is that much level of luck involved. But what we're talking about here is doing your due diligence, right? You got to read some articles, some blogs, if you need to listen to some podcasts, some YouTube, Instagram, there's Twitter, there's all sorts of places where you could find information about injuries, sleepers, guys to pay attention to, lineup changes, um, all that stuff is available to you. What you just have to do is be careful because a, a lot of that is junk. A lot of it is fandom and you need to be able to read things and, and decipher through that. That's sort of on you, but that comes from doing your due diligence, right? You'll be able to tell the BS from guys who are, are genuine about what they're talking about from simply going to various sources. And like I said, you can go through articles and podcasts. Um, ultimately, you need to find people, a few people in the industry that you trust. And it depends on what type of information you're seeking, right? Um, you know, stats and injuries, trying to get trade advice. Are you playing daily fantasy? So like, depending on what you're looking for, you could go to different places. Like, you know, first take is probably not the best place to go for, um, you know, daily fantasy advice i mean they just don't do it right but there's sure there's certainly a podcast out there there's certainly a writer or two that give um solid advice uh, i listen to podcasts mostly that's how i i go about my business i do a little bit of reading on uh on the internet reading various um articles and blogs about different moves and so forth you don't really have to be like a junkie unless you're in like a high money league or something like that. And you need to really be, you know, in tune with what's happening. But if you're going to win on any level, I guess ultimately is my point. You have to follow the league more than the average person. Uh, you just have to. Um, and so that's really what I'm talking about in terms of studying. It's not that you have to be some uh, football expert and go to the library and read books and do all that stuff. But if you're going to compete and really compete for winning in whatever league you're participating in, um, you definitely got to do more than the average person. So, uh, don't, because those nuggets get you from, uh, they, they find little places that you could score an extra five or six points a week, really just by being prepared. And those things, when you start to get into the playoffs, could make the difference between 112 to 116 score. Um, or you being a, able to put up 118 and win in that game. So um, if there's an injury or two on a particular team, 
uh, maybe on their offensive line that you may not recognize the name right away and skip over it. Um, yeah, that could be your opportunity to swap out a running back for someone who may have, you know, all of his guys in front of him that particular week. Um, or that team's quarterback is just some fringe guy that happens to be your quarterback in terms of fantasy. Well, maybe you don't want him running for his life. So you, uh, maybe you could sit him on the bench this week and find a free agent who has a potential better matchup and maybe not miss any production due to that. You know, if you need to play a, a value play at wide receiver three because your guys are on the bench uh, because of bye weeks and you don't necessarily want to drop someone. Um, so there, there's all sorts of ways to look at it and, and why it's important. And, and it's really it's, it's a lot to look at in terms of stats as well, because that's just for injuries. What we've talked about, um, you know, you should get good at using things like pro football focus or excuse me, pro football reference. Uh, being able to look up stats for a lot of different situations. If you're not familiar with it, get in there now. Start poking around. Um, better yet, if you can program at all, um, that's a, a way to go to sort of build your own thing that's that's uh, fleshed out for you. But ultimately, um, what you need, like I said, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you which stats are the most important and most effective for fantasy. Um, I don't necessarily believe, believe there is such a thing, but... Uh, in terms of what you need to be doing overall, you got to get a leg up somehow, whatever that means for you. Again, if you want to be a stats nerd, there are plenty of YouTube channels, podcasts, uh, articles and blogs, websites devoted to just nerding out on numbers. If you're more of a, um, you want to hear someone else talk about different matchups to exploit and things like that, there are plenty of podcasts and shows that you can watch that do that very thing. So whatever floats your boat and whatever you think would be most beneficial to you. But the ultimate point is uh, you got to get a leg up somehow and studying is the key to that. You studied, you've understood your league. Now it's time to draft players. Now it's time to pay attention to the waiver wire and potential trades that you need to make. You need a strategy at all levels, pre-draft, post-draft, even during the draft. You need strategies to be not beholden to, but to use as guidelines, as bumpers, as if you were bowling, right? You got to browse rankings from different places. You need to do a ton of mock drafts. If you haven't drafted yet, uh, obviously you're getting up to the deadline, but if you if you haven't, do mock drafts. That's a good way to get caught up on who's going where, uh, what draft position. You need to go where guys are going generally. The stars, you know, again, when it comes to stars, superstars, mostly you're going to have an idea of what's going to happen. Um, and you need to know how to react in the situations and what teams you can build from different positions. If you pick, if you have the first pick in the draft, even if you intend to go after the same players, if you're picking fourth, you're just not going to be able to because of the way things are going to fall um, in terms of how players are ranked. So how does your strategy change if you have pick number three or pick number one or pick number eight? Right. To me, you should at least have your first two to three rounds figured out from virtually every draft position. Um, again, the first two to three rounds shouldn't be that hard to sort of figure out what do you want to do off the rip? depending on which of these positions you get, um, who are the two or three players that you want to target right away? And, and are you in a position to draft set players? If you want 
you know, let's say you want Christian McCaffrey, uh, but you get the fourth pick in the draft, uh, you know, it's not <laughs> you're probably not going to get him. Uh, and if that really upsets you, how do you counter it? How do you react to it? Um, so you need to be able to to go with any backup moves that you have in place. And the only way to figure out what those moves are going to be, you got to do some mock drafts. Um, and, and if you are able to land those first moves as you intended to, as you planned, can you land the second one? And what if a wrench gets thrown in in round three or four because you feel like you're on a groove? Uh, so you need to be able to, to pivot ultimately, um, you know, and you need to be able to think about the future. Did you draft, you know, six or eight players with the same bye week because you were focused on one team? Um, you know, so the bottom line is don't be emotional, understand your league, um, and then do your due diligence. Detach as a fan, create and execute a strategy. Um, those are the three most important things. Again, it'll change from person to person depending on the type of league you're in. But if you keep those three things in mind, um, don't be emotional, understand your league, and creating and executing a strategy, okay? Keep those things in mind, and no matter what type of league you're in, whether it be best ball, whether it be daily fantasy, a captain showdown, uh, it doesn't matter. You'll be able to be successful. Now that we have some of that fantasy stuff out of the way, I do want to give some picks for the first week. And so let's get into that. All right. So some of the top games for week one, um, we have the Bucks uh, at home versus the Cowboys short and sweet on this one, right? Um, the undressing of the Cowboys through hard knocks, Mike McCarthy. And now we will see it on in full effect on the field because I I was not thrilled. And listen, I'm no Cowboys fan, but if I were a Cowboys fan, I would not be thrilled by what we saw through Hard Knocks. They put a lot of makeup on it, but it's still a pig. Um, and I don't think this team is going to be very good. The Dak injury worries me. He looked better in Hard Knocks, but that was Hard Knocks. I'm still nervous about seeing him on the field for the first time since the injury. And for that first time to be... Um, against the team that won the Super Bowl in large part due to their ability to get after the quarterback, that does not seem like the ideal situation to bring Dak Prescott back onto the field. Mike McCarthy has, it's very clear he's just a cog in Jerry Jones' cowboy steering wheel because, um, I mean, he's in the cut meetings and all, and listen, he owns a team. I guess you can do whatever you want to do, right? Um, but you just look at that and say, I wonder how many other owners are in those types of meetings and making those types of decisions. Uh, that seems a little odd to me. Uh, so they placed the Dallas Cowboys on what will be the biggest of NFL stages aside from the actual Super Bowl, just opening day, opening game. And it's the Dallas Cowboys versus the defending champion Bucks and the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. Uh, seven and a half points feels pretty good here. Um, I don't, I think it opened at six or maybe six and a half. It is now up to eight. It might even be eight and a half. I haven't checked it in quite some time, a few hours. Um, so I like the seven and a half points here. I'd probably like the eight or eight and a half. That's how confident I feel in the bucks to 
uh, annihilate the Cowboys. The Bucks arguably have three number one receivers on the depth chart, assuming um, AB is back to what they say he's looked like in camp. Um, and the Cowboys secondary is the defense's Achilles heel. They've been terrible the last few years. Uh, so which do you trust in single high coverage against the Bucks? Uh, any of their weapons? I don't trust any of those guys against the Bucks. Um, and Tom Brady has seen every defense from Dan Quinn uh, that you can imagine. And just with 20-plus years of experience as an uh, NFL quarterback, the greatest of all time, I just don't see the Cowboys being able to live up to this. The Bucks over is 8-2 and two in the last 10 games as home favorites. Um, and the over-under in this is 50-and-a-half. It was when I, when I wrote this down. So uh, my problem with the over is I think the Bucks can do their part, honestly. Uh, I can see the Bucks getting to 38 points. Uh, but I think this is going to be a blowout. And so 38-13... Uh, gets it done, um, but I'd probably stay away from the over/under. But I would definitely take the Bucks at minus seven and a half. Uh, another game I want to talk about, obviously the Titans at home, two and a half. They're getting, I think it's up to three now. Uh, versus the Cardinals. So last season the Cardinals were twenty-second against the run, twenty-second against the run. And I don't know if you know this, uh, but the Titans. They really, really like to run the football. Uh, in 2020, they were second in the NFL in attempts at 521. The Ravens were at 555 at first. 2019, they were 10th. Uh, in 2018, they were ninth. So I'm going to guess they're going to be somewhere in the top 10 yet again, despite adding Julio Jones. Uh, that's just what the Titans like to do. The uh, Cardinals brought in J.J. Watt. Can he help them stop the run? I don't think that's going to be the case. His best days are behind him. That was evident through watching him with the Texans. Uh, I just don't think he has enough in the tank. Maybe from a locker room presence, that's good and all fine and dandy, but that doesn't win you games on the football field. You still need guys to perform, and I'm not sure that that's J.J. Watt any longer. Uh, what I do have concern about is the Titans passing game that was ranked 23rd in the league last year. Um, and Tannehill threw 33 touchdowns still. Um, it does concern me because when they get into situations where, okay, we got, you know, mostly when they're down, just like most teams, uh, we see it a lot with the Ravens. But um, the amount of carries on Derrick Henry's body, um, the fact that the Titans throw the ball, not so much, um, again, 23rd in the league last year. I don't think it's because they're ineffective at throwing the football. I think it's because they run it so much. And I think a lot of people think that their passing game, uh, struggles and it's not the best in the league by any stretch, but I think it has more so more to do with the fact that Derrick Henry carries the ball so much. I think the addition of Julio Jones will unlock everything that this team needs, to potentially take the next step forward. Um, and more importantly, can they put to rest the questions about their defense? Because let's be real, um, it was some straight trash last year. Um, so if this game has an over-under of 52, if you believe the Titans defense has gotten um, no better than last year, I'd definitely take the over here because I think the Titans can score, and I'm pretty sure that the Cardinals are going to be able to score quite a few points as well if you're assuming that what I said about the defense. But against the spread... Uh, I will gladly take the Titans minus two and a half at home. 
Next game up, the Browns um, at the Chiefs. I like the Browns getting six points at the Chiefs uh, at Arrowhead. The Chiefs have made some adjustment, adjustments to their offensive line, and we've seen their starters play lengthy minutes in the preseason in preparation for the season. And I think that obviously has to do with the fact that they got a lot of new faces in new places. And they got killed last year in the Super Bowl. Let's be honest. Um, the Browns have a ferocious pass rush, and I'm not sure if you want to be working out kinks in your office offensive line against that type of a front. Um, and if you couple that with the Chiefs inability to run the football last year, largely because of their offensive line, um, I'm interested interested to see if that differs any this year because. Um, one of the keys to alleviating a pass rush like what we saw in the Super Bowl and what the Browns possess is running the football. You'll be able to slow those linebackers down um, and be able to open up passing lanes um, elsewhere. It's tough to do on the road for the Browns. And, you know, this is going to be a packed house, which is something that we haven't seen in, in quite some time for uh, these NFL teams. We saw some fans last year, but in terms of, uh, capacity. This is going to be the first time we've seen it in a while. And let's not underestimate the fact that they do have rookies that are out there that are in their second year that have not had to face that yet. Um, so, I, listen, they kept it close last year in the playoffs, albeit Mahomes missed a little bit of time, of course. I just think the Browns are going to take it to another level this year uh, with Baker, I think, taking a step forward. And I think six points is is good enough for me, even on the road for the Browns. <clears throat> um, and then the last game I want to talk about, at least in any major detail, is the Giants getting three points at home versus the Broncos. Most people think the Giants are going to stink. That's fine. Their offensive line isn't great. I made the case that the Giants will win the division, given Saquon Barkley's health. It was looking shaky for week one. Now it seems like he's on track at least to play. Um, as of today, I don't think it's been made official, but we'll keep our eyes on it as we head into the week. But assuming he does go, I really like the Giants getting three points at home. Um, the Broncos will have a good defense. I don't think they're going to have a great defense like the one we saw a couple years ago. Um, but the, the other side of that is how good of an offense they're going to have. Teddy Bridgewater, um, Teddy Two Gloves, as they call him, I you know, he's a good guy, seems like a good enough quarterback, but he's not explosive. Um, he's not going to screw things up for the Broncos. And so I think really what this comes down to is the big question for the Giants, which is Daniel Jones. And more importantly, and more specifically for Daniel Jones, can he hold on to the football? Um, look, let's not pretend that the Giants had a terrible defense because they don't. They were ninth in points per game last year, 12th in yards per game. So I think as long as they can uh, keep that level of defense um, up and running, if Daniel Jones can simply not turn the ball over as much, he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers' level of efficient, but can he not be Jameis Winston? Um, you know, I, I think that would be serviceable enough. The Broncos, they do get Von Miller back after the injury. Um, they also add Patrick Sertain in the draft. Teddy Bridgewater is now the quarterback. Uh, as we discussed. So I think the Broncos defense will be better um, and they will be better offensively with Bridgewater, but so much so that I think they could go to the Giants and beat them. I just don't. And listen, maybe I'm crazy for having some kind of um, <laughs> unprecedented belief in the Giants, but I simply do. I like Joe Judge. 
I like the defense. I like Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, two of the things that I find to be most important, um, coach and quarterback, one of which I like, Joe Judge, the quarterback. I'm not uh, super high on, but I think can be better than what we've seen. Uh, and then the third thing is the offensive line, which is what I say is, is typically the third most important. Uh, that's also something that they struggle with, but I think they are able to take three points at home. They were only three and four as home underdogs last year, but the Broncos were never road favorites. Um, so this is their first time uh, in two years. Andrew Thomas versus Von Miller. Who does James Bradbury match up against on the opposite side for the Broncos, excuse me, for the Giants? And the same goes for uh, Noah Fant. Jabril Peppers will probably take that matchup. Typically, the Broncos are great early in the season. We all know this because of the home schedule with the altitude differences. Um, but this is on the road. I think it's likely the Giants hold the Broncos under 20 points. So I'd also take the under on this at 42. 42 is not a lot. But I think both teams have really good defenses. And I think both offenses, while ultimately I think will be okay in the long run, in this game may struggle a little bit. All right, really quick, I do want to give all of my picks for the week. So if you don't know, you can check out on the website, sportscapo.com um, slash Capo's Picks. You'll be able to track the picks all year long, track the record. Um, so you'll be able to see what the pick percentage looks like. Um, I want to give you my picks today. We'll also give you the over-unders, what I'm taking. I'm not necessarily betting on every single one of these games. But I do want to give an official pick so that we can track the record. We'll also talk a little bit about the captain's pick for Thursday night showdown between the Bucks and the Cowboys. Um, that'll be the only daily fantasy we do for this week. Um, but really quick, so we do have the Titans minus five or minus two and a half versus the Cardinals. I'm taking over 52 and a half for that one. Bucks minus seven and a half versus the Cowboys. Um, taking the under at 52. Browns plus six and, six and a half at the Chiefs, taking the over in that 54 and a half. And then the Giants plus three versus the Broncos, uh, taking the under at 42 for that game. Now, the rest of the games, so you can have all of the official picks. Uh, first and foremost, the Jets plus five at the Panthers. I'm taking the under at 45 for that game. Um, I like the buzz around Zach Wilson. I don't think the Jets are going to be very good, but I also don't think the Panthers are going to be very good. Opening day is usually fairly sloppy. So when you have two sloppy teams, um, neither of which I expect a ton from, you're probably going to hit the under in that. We all know that typically in the first couple of weeks, the over is the way to go, but these are two bad teams. Um, I think one just happens to have a pretty decent quarterback in the Jets. So I like the Jets even on the road at plus five. Uh, Steelers plus six and a half at the Bills. And I'm taking the over at 48 and a half. Um, I like the Bills to win this game, but six and a half for a Mike Tomlin coach team, even on the road, I think is a bit much. Um, yes, I'm very down on the Steelers. I've been for a long time because of Big Ben. But uh, six and a half points for such a well-run team. You can say what you want about Big Ben and, and his ability, but uh, the Steelers are no no slouch. Um, and then the over at 48 and a half may not have a TJ Watt. And I also think their defense is going to take a step back anyway. Um, plus, the Bills are explosive. I think the Steelers, while not, I wouldn't consider them explosive, um, are capable of, of 
you know, slowly marching up and down the field and, and getting to 25, 28 points. So I think the 48 and a half is good for the over. Uh, the 49ers minus seven and a half versus the Lions. Um, and I've taken the over in that at 45. Um, look, the Lions, you know, not very good. I was tempted to take take them at plus seven and a half just because it's the first game of the season um, and they could be, you know, just overly confident just for it being week one. But ultimately, I think the 49ers are going to boat race the Lions. So um, minus seven and a half is a little steep, um, but I'll take it. And like I said, I'll take the over at 45 as well. Uh, I'm liking the Texans at home plus two and a half versus the Jaguars. And I like the under 44 and a half. Um, look, I know we all love Trevor Lawrence and all that good stuff, but the Jaguars aren't good either. Um, we see, we can sit here and say we want about the Texans, but the Jaguars aren't good. Um, and the ja- the Texans at least have a veteran at quarterback. Um, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but they have a veteran. The Jaguars, while Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to be a good quarterback, he is still a rookie. And so that element, at least for me, always plays a role uh, when you have a rookie quarterback. And so... To say that the Texans are at home and basically get two and a half points uh, to play with this game, they're not going to blow out the Texans, even if the Jaguars do win. Um, it'll probably come down to a last-second field goal or a last-second touchdown. Um, so I'll take the Texans at plus two and a half. The Seahawks, minus two and a half at the Colts, over 50, I like. Um, I don't think the Colts are going to be very good. I think that's a grenade waiting to happen. Um, Seahawks minus two and a half on the road. I'll take it. I also love the Chargers minus one at Washington under 44 and a half. Basically, the Chargers need to win, um, you know, obviously minus one. Um, granted, that, that could bite you, but uh, I think they'll be able to win. Essentially, they have to win the game, and I do think this would be a closer one than most people think. I like the under here because... Uh, while you do have a second-year Justin Herbert, Washington's defense is really good. And Fitzpatrick, while he's not, you know, he is prone to make his mistakes, I think he'll be good enough to not just totally screw Washington over and end up uh, running the score up uh, above above 44.5. So I like the Chargers at Washington minus one. I like the under. I like the Chargers to struggle a little bit to put up points against Washington. And I like Washington to struggle a little bit to put up points with Ryan Fitzpatrick, keeping that under at 44 and a half. Uh, Another one I like, the Bengals plus three and a half at home versus the Vikings. And I like the over at 47 here. Both teams don't have really that good of a defense. Um, The Vikings will have the ability to get some big plays with Thielen and Cook. Um, and be able to take the ball down the field and score points. Same with the Bengals. While I don't think they'll be as explosive, uh, I do like the Bengals, obviously, at quarterback, and I think they'll be able to methodically take the ball up and down the field. 47 points seems reasonable for me. Um, And I like the Bengals at home, three and a half. They may not win the game, but three and a half points at home for a team with a really good quarterback, I think, is is good enough. I know he's coming off the injury, um, but I – it would be a different story if rather than the Vikings, they were playing the, uh, I don't know, the Packers or the Bucks. Um, that's just, you know, that's totally different. 
they're playing the Vikings, who don't have a ferocious defense, and so I don't think Joe Burrow is going to have too much concern uh, in his first game back off the injury. Uh, I also like the Falcons, minus three, versus the Eagles, under 48 points. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be bad, and I think the Falcons, while they won't be great, um, they're going to be good enough, obviously, to beat the Eagles, um, certainly at home. I just don't think they're going to score a ton of points, uh, mostly because the Eagles won't. Similar to how I have the Bucks and the Cowboys, where I think the, the Falcons will be able to do their part and maybe get to 28, 29, 30 points. But I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to score that much. So I'll take the under in that one. Uh, Patriots, minus three versus the Dolphins. I like the over in that, 43 and a half. I also like the Patriots, obviously, at home. Mac Jones' first game. I don't believe in Tua. So I, there's no way I'm picking the Dolphins to go on the road to New England, even, obviously, early in the year. But on the road, nonetheless, and beat the Patriots. So I'll take the Patriots there at minus three. Uh, or, excuse me, minus three and a half. Uh, and then the Packers at minus four at the Saints, technically at Jacksonville. Um, and the over at 50. I like the over here, uh, 50 points for the Packers. Um, I also like the Packers on the road. The Saints are in a, uh, in a little bit of a mess right now. They already are having issues trying to figure out who the quarterback is. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Now you're having issues about where you're going to be playing. That's no good. Um, minus four seems like a lot for on the road, but I think the Packers win this one fairly comfortably. Um, but I do think they hit the over at 50. Um, the last two, Ravens minus four at the Raiders over 50 and a half. I like the over here. Um, Ravens minus four on the road at the Raiders. Raiders are also another team that I think is primed to have a disastrous year. John Gruden um, has not turned this team around at all. They're no better than they were before they hired John Gruden. Um, and the Ravens are having their own issues, but Lamar Jackson is so much better than Derek Carr and what the Raiders can do defensively. Uh, I think the Ravens take that one fairly easily. And finally, I like the Bears plus seven and a half at L.A. Rams. I also like the over at 46 for this one. Um, Bears, one of my surprise wildcard teams that I've selected. Uh, seven and a half is a lot of points. Um, and this is a new team for the Rams, a new thing, new whole situation going on. The Bears are typically okay early on in the season. Um, they're just, you know, every team that, every team has that attitude. The Bears happen to be one of the team that at least has some talent. So they can sort of exercise that a little bit. Um, seven and a half is a lot of points to get even on the road. Um, and even for Andy Dalton may see a little bit of Justin Fields if the, the game does get out of hand late, but I think the bears will be able to stick in this one and seven and a half points. I like, and as I said, also like the over in that 46 seems pretty low. I know the Rams, uh, have a great defense. I also think the bears have a pretty good defense. I just think the Rams are going to be so explosive on offense um, maybe they'll get to like 34 points. Um, I think the Ram, or excuse me, I think the Bears can get to 28, um, and I think they'll hit the over in that. Uh, so there you go. Those are the picks, the official picks for the week. Really quick, I do want to give my thoughts on the Thursday night showdown. 
like I said, we're going to do another episode next week. Now that we've once we've had a chance to see everyone play and get a better idea for who's doing what uh, in terms of fantasy, what roles people may have. Um, but there is the Thursday night showdown. That's, so I do want to at least give a captain's pick for that. And I think I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Um, and listen, I would caution you if you think um, if you, you know, I'd say go with Dak if you have no reservations about the injury. Um, you think he's going to be 100%. Go with Dak Prescott. I would stay away from Tom Brady only because of this reason. One, the Bucks will be up. Um, and so, and they have the ability to score in different ways, right? Um, obviously, Tom Brady can throw it. They can run it when they get down close. Um, but the thing is, Brady offers nothing other than the passing statistics. Uh, maybe he can snipe, you know, a quarterback touchdown, a quarterback sneak for one or two yards um, and get you a rushing touchdown. But by and large, he's only getting you passing touchdowns. I don't think the Bucks will need to throw the ball a lot because I think they're going to be up early and quickly. Um, so I would go with Dak Prescott. They may be down by three scores and he'll just be able to pile up stats. For that reason, I also considered going with uh, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I fought with it because he'll be the top target. But ultimately, because Dak, because of Dak's ability to run the football, he may be able to get three or four touchdowns um, uh, in terms of fantasy-wise. Uh, just because he's able to run the football, CeeDee Lamb obviously doesn't offer you that ability. So he's obviously dependent on Dak, and Dak offers the additional capability of running in a touchdown or running a few first downs or what have you. So I like Dak Prescott. Um, Antonio Brown and Ronald Jones are two guys I would say you should probably own uh, for sure, no matter who's at the rest of your team, um, who fills out the rest of your team. So those are two guys I would say you definitely need. Um, and if you're looking for true value, I like tight end Dalton Schultz, who could find himself in the end zone maybe once with three or four catches for like 60 yards if you're just looking for a real value play. Uh, but otherwise, your budget should be pretty flexible enough for this game to put really good players at all six positions. So I wouldn't get too caught up on the lesser known players. Um, so there you go. Those are your tips for the Thursday night showdown Bucks and the Cowboys. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, we're not going to do the more in-depth fantasy football stuff today. Um, I just didn't think it was right considering we just haven't seen anyone play. So at least let us get a game under our belts. And then next week, we'll dive headfirst into that. In the meantime, I'll see you on, we'll probably do the next episode on Tuesday. Actually, no, we'll do it on Monday uh, as we react to all the games. Check us out on Spotify Green Room. We'll be doing live um, chit chats throughout the entirety of Sunday. Um, throughout all the one o'clock games through the mid afternoon games as well. And then maybe even into the Sunday night game. So check us out there. Um, but until the next episode, it's been real peace.